I think the most important thing is, is to keep things simple. I'm a big believer in doing things properly and simply and don't start getting complicated and elaborating things and getting all intense and trying to make something perfect. It's just about doing certain things well and being um, being able to repeat that. Um, and you achieve that by, in the training, just teaching a horse what is the normal way of going. You've not got to turn, turn him into Vallegro. Um, he's just got to just perform and, and put things together nicely with no mistakes. And it's all about, dare I say, in the, in the modern world of eventing, it's all about no mistakes. It's all about clear rounds in the dressage. And, you know, I very much talk about, you know, just settling for what is good and what's consistent and then building on what you can rather than going in and gunning for a big mark and making a big mistake. Um, I think it's much more important to, to go for a good healthy clear round and then making no mistakes after that. You're not knocking a pole down, not knocking a not having a run out cross country. Um, you know, not necessarily being um you know, n- not any of us can be Michael Young, but we can have a good go and I think it's just about keeping things simple and being disciplined um and training your horses um in a very clear uh, I say it endlessly, but a very clear black and white relaxed way. Welcome to Practical Horseman's podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show, which runs every other week, is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Emily Daly, and this week's episode is with five-star eventing champion, William Fox Pitt. William is one of the most respected and successful event riders in the history of the sport, not just in his home country of Great Britain, but in the entire world. His resume over the past 20 years is nothing short of amazing. He's earned a number of medals representing Great Britain in five Olympic Games and four World Equestrian Games and has won an incredible seven team gold medals at the European Championships. He was the first British rider to top the world rankings list, which he did four times, and has been the British number one rider 11 times. He's the only rider to have won Burley six times, on six different horses no less, and he's the only rider to have won five of the world's six five-star events minus Adelaide and Australia, which is rather hard to get to from England. To date, he's won an unprecedented 14 five-star events. William isn't just a world-class rider. He's also an incredible trainer and horseman. He frequently travels to the United States for clinics, and I've been lucky enough to audit at a few over the years and try and soak up some of his knowledge. Teaching is one of his passions, and perhaps that's something that was ingrained in him from a lifetime of horses. After all, his parents were accomplished eventers in their own rights, and both competed at badminton. Known for his soft-spoken demeanor and horsemanship, William has always been a fan favorite. But after a life-changing fall on cross-country in 2015 that left him with a serious head injury, many wondered if they'd ever see him out eventing again. William's tenacity and strength surprised everyone, and soon he was back out galloping at events and working his way back up the levels. This past March, I was able to catch up with William, who was catch riding at an eventing showcase in Aiken, South Carolina. It's not every day you bump into William Fox Pitt at a local event, and since the organizers had flown him in to add some international flavor to the show, I felt this was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. I'll admit I was rather nervous to get the chance to chat with one of my biggest idols as a rider, and I was worried I might have a bit of a fangirl moment. But for all of his success and notoriety, William is an incredibly down-to-earth and genuine person to talk to. We had a candid conversation about the ups and downs of his career, his recovery from his head injury, and how it changed his life. 
the future of eventing, and also some training philosophies. Now let's get right into our conversation with William, who begins by talking about why he thinks he's had so much success over the years. I've been very fortunate, I would say, in my in my upbringing. Um, I think being very brought up around horses has taught me a great feeling to have with horses. And um, you know, I've been so lucky to have had some lovely ones to ride. I think that um, you know, I've been well supported. Um, I've had top horses for all my career, and that, that is very, very fortunate, very, very rare. And that's what's really given me the chance to um, to be at the big competitions and, and, and to do well. So um, it's very much down to the support I've had, the support I've had from owners, um, obviously sponsors um, are behind that. And, um, you know, more recently um, with the UK Sport and the Lottery, you know, amazing support. Come over to America. I've been competing in Kentucky several times, all courtesy of, um, of funding. So I've been incredibly lucky to get so much experience. And I think that is that's so valuable. Well, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Your parents were both vendors and competed at a top level. Um, and you yourself, you came along in the junior and young rider competitions through your early career. And then in your 20s, you started to be a regular on the British senior team. Did you always know you wanted to be a professional event rider? Or was Did you feel pressure from the parents or it was just something you always wanted to do? Um, I, th I think I naturally um, progressed into the eventing world. Um, because I was I was brought up with horses, it was a big part of my life. It was never an idea to be um, competitive long term. It was something I was enjoying doing as a junior and young rider, and I had a wonderful horse, Steadfast, who um, took me from juniors to my first badminton. Um, and I thought that would probably be it. Like my last badminton, I was still um, relatively young and and clueless. So um, I think then really it was probably all I knew how what or how to do <laughs> so I rather got into that world and I didn't do much winning but it was a world I was enjoying and then suddenly I'd given a really good horse called Chaka um, by Michael Turner and I was about 22 23 um, and Chaka was a cool horse he was he was a he was a winner I mean god if I had him now um, with my experience he'd have been a real real one to have had but as a as a, a young man's horse he was brilliant and I think I won my first Burley on him and it was really all systems go. I thought, actually, I can do this. Actually, I, I love this and it's all working. And I had sponsorship in the old days. I was sponsored by Hackett and I kind of look back and I laughed. But, you know, I thought I'd made it. I had money coming in from a sponsor. I had a horse to ride and I was doing something I loved doing. So it just rather grew from there. But it was never an ambition as a child. No, it was just something I loved doing and um, it grew. And you've had so many amazing horses over the years. I mean, how would you even pick a favorite? You had so many fan favorites. I think Tamarillo was one of my fan favorites. Loved watching you guys. I mean, what does it mean to you to have had so many of these incredible athletes and partners in your life? Um, no, it's very true. I have had um, more than my fair share of wonderful horses. I mean, it's very hard to single out any. Um, but, you know, they've all formed me. They've given me my education and um, they've given me my experience um, and they give me a huge amount of, um, of mileage and fun and um, yeah from you know whether it's Tamarillo or you know wonderful horse I had called Stunning um, or whether it's um, Chili Morning, um, Park Lane Hawk 
Bay My Hero. I've had I've had wonderful horses, and um, you know, how lucky is that? Because you know, without a horse, you're nobody. So, um, I've had a very good good career with horses, and I've got, funnily enough, you know, I'm I'm ancient now, and I've I've got two lovely horses to ride at um at badminton. So, um, how lucky am I? And what's something that you look for in a vent horse, whether it's mentally or physically? Um, yeah, an event horse, um, you know, he's a bit of a freak, isn't he? Um, I'm, I'm very much, actually, you say mentally and physically, I look for a horse that is an athlete. He's got to be an athlete. He's got to be able to find competing easy. Um, he's got to be easy over the ground um, because if he's not, he won't stay sound anyway. Um, so you want a horse that finds the game, um, an easy game, and actually you also want a horse that, that you like. He's got to have a good brain. He's got to be clever. You don't need, of course, lovely movement, lovely gallop, lovely jump, lovely um, confirmation. It's all important. But actually those two things, I think a good brain and a good body, then you can go places. And, you know, I know the horses that I've had in my career, they've not always been the best horses, but they've wanted to be. Um, and I think a horse that wants to um, wants to make it really does. You've been an active part of the sport for decades. How have you seen the sport change? Uh, are you doing preparations for events any differently than you did 20 years ago? Is the focus more on the flat and show jumping? Or have you trained your pro- is your program any differently than it was? Uh, yes, it's a very different sport now. I mean, it's, it's frightening how it's changed you know, since 1993 um, to 2019 I mean goodness it's um you've needed different horses it's varied you it, it's sometimes you've been looking for the jumper mover sometimes you're looking for the galloper um and now we're probably back into a stage of our um our sport where we're probably looking at horses that um with a bit more um bit more blood a bit more gallop we're looking at last year the horses that won the three days were the horses that were doing the time on the cross country not the ones that counted down the center line and got a nine um so I think we're moving back to a bit of blood and I'm excited about that. And of course, this the sport is coming. The showcase here in Aiken um, is far removed from um, from Kentucky. It's, it's sort of a different sport, but it's such a good showcase. And I think it's got its own little niche. Um, of course, I don't want to see the sport getting um, shorter and more intense and more of a sh- showcase sport. But um, these are the sort of events that we really need. Um, to put us on the map, to encourage sponsors and owners. And it's a great job for some horses. Some horses are great at this. Um, they're not going to get around Kentucky inside the time, but they're going to win here. Um, look, we're looking this afternoon. Liz Halliday is going to probably win on her lovely horse. There's no way he'd go around Kentucky inside the time. He's not. God didn't make him to do that. So I think we've got to really keep up, keep the sport going. I'm really keeping the sport, thinking long term, that we keep our endurance element to the exciting sport that it is and introduce other elements that have their own have their own job and the two can go very well hand in hand but I I don't want people to say well this is all becoming the sport and we don't want this and we don't like that um, because um, that's not how the sport should become I'm 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 very keen that we keep keep what we've got um, cherish what we've got Sort of moving on to you as a rider yourself, what do you think are some of your strengths and what are some things that you struggle with? <laughs> That's a very personal question. I've no idea, really. Um, I think that, you know, as I said, I've been very lucky to have had my, uh, the horses, to have had the backing, um, to have had all the chances I've had. I've had so many openings, so many um, so many doors have opened my way and um, 
it's kind of happened. Um, I have no idea. Loads of riders in the world are a lot better than me. Um, and, you know, they do things a lot more perfectly than I do. Um, I think I think I, I love horses. I love thinking, you know, what makes them tick? What's the best way best way to get the best out of them? Um, I think that side of it, every horse being treated as an individual is a very big part of our sport. And campaigning horses for targets, not using them up um, around any old event just because you can. Um, actually having good plans for horses, having good targets, thinking, you know, what matters? And I think I've been very lucky to have had that security in my um my team to not feel under pressure to produce results when it wasn't necessarily right so i've been lucky with the horses i've had i've obviously been lucky that they've stayed sound um and lucky that i've had funding from great sponsors you know i'm now sponsored by jeep they've been huge sponsors now for five years um and make a real difference so i've been able to survive through sponsors owners and having the right horses and you do quite a lot of teaching. I've listened to you at a bunch of your clinics over the years. What are some of these key issues you see a lot of event riders struggling with? And what do you try to help them uh, sort of overcome? Are there some exercises or gymnastics you really enjoy doing with students and horses? That's, yeah, that's a very, very in-depth question, um, which I'll try and answer. But I think the most important thing is, is to keep things simple. I'm a big believer in doing things properly and simply and don't start getting complicated and elaborating things and getting all intense and trying to make something perfect it's just about doing certain things well and being um being able to repeat that um and you achieve that by in the training just teaching a horse what is the normal way of going you're not going to turn him into Vallegro. um he's just got to just perform and and put things together nicely with no mistakes and it's all about dare I say in the in the modern world of eventing it's all about no mistakes it's all about clear rounds in the dressage and you know I very much talk about you know just settling for what is good and what's consistent and then building on what you can rather than going in and gunning for a big mark and making a big mistake um, I think it's much more important to to go for a good healthy clear round and then making no mistakes after that you're not knocking a pole down not knocking a not having a run out cross country um you know not necessarily being um you know not any of us can be michael young but we can have a good go and i think it's just about keeping things simple and being disciplined um and training your horses um in a very clear uh, say endlessly but a very clear black and white relaxed way um, this is how it is, and I think sometimes us riders, we get very ambitious and very colourful and very flashy, and it's all amazing, and it's all looking great, and then the wheels fall off. So I think just get everything very much in black and white, very, you know, what is right, what is wrong, and um, and building and building on that. Um, you know, I always say, you know, start off with a seven, and then build. Don't go for a nine and then fall. And eventing is such a mental sport. How do you handle disappointments or setbacks when you have a bad day or just in horses in general? I mean, they can break your heart. How do you how do you stay focused mentally? Yeah, there's plenty of setbacks. I think you have to be quite um, accepting that, you know, things are going to go wrong and you know that when something's gone right, there will be a disaster around the corner. 
um, that isn't you. I think it's very important to not take these things too personally, not to to lose track of um, your target and um, of, of where you're going. So I think it's very important to have a goal, um, to accept that things do go wrong, and it is gutting um, when you go to the World Championships and have a fall or a run out or you've got a lame horse. Um, but I'm afraid we're dealing with with a very strange sport, isn't it? And we're dealing with animals in a very strange sport that has become in our lives a big world with um a lot hanging on it and a lot of um financial pressure um i think it's very important just to kind of be realistic and to accept that things go wrong and to not lose sight i think of the goal with things going wrong by all means think of plan b have a plan b but don't have a um you know don't don't be pushing the panic button and a few years ago, you had a really serious head injury after a fall and an event and a long road to recovery. Um, what was that time in your life like? How did that affect you? Did you think that you would ever be back at the top level again, or did you even want to? And what does it mean to be so successful again after that ordeal? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> not yet. Um, that's another huge question. Um, yes, it was a big um, a big. Um, big phase of my life really yes I've been so lucky in my career I've not had too many injuries I've broken the odd bone but it's all been okay and then suddenly yeah bang on the head and um, things are really up in the air and I just was so lucky to have a huge support from um, well funding from UK Sport and Lottery to have mental and physical help to be on a, a rehab program that um, my whole family could manage um, I was so lucky to have my wife Alice um, looking after me I was, you know, I was, um, yeah, a long time um, properly kind of, I would say lost, because I was just in my own world, but I was kind of off the off the map. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, I'm incredibly lucky, aren't I, that I'm okay? And I, I appreciate that all the way through. I was never, I was lucky that I had a bang on the head. didn't make me grumpy and sad. Um, didn't make me moody and difficult. And I think some bangs on the head do. So my bang on the head might have made me um, loony in other ways, but it didn't make me miserable. Um, and I just kind of carried on. I thought, you know, the same happened in 2015. I always thought I was going to Rio in 2016. That was part of my plan. I had chilly morning. Um, he was all on the map. And of course, was I hell? I mean, I was like not able to see, let alone ride. So um, I think I was very lucky to have that unwavering focus that got me better. Um, everyone around me was thinking, "Don't tell him. Just don't. Just let him. Let him dream. Let him just get on with it." Um, and I just kind of, in my mind, I was always going to Rio. And um, oh, I thought, you know, I ought to be riding again now. I ought to start to do a bit more. And um, I set myself little targets. Um, and found my mojo back, but it, it did take. Um, it was, you know, I learned an awful lot, um, and I'm probably still improving now. I'm probably still a little bit. Well, I always was a bit thick, but I'm still a bit thick, a bit forgetful, and um, I have learned to live with that. It's quite frustrating. You can't remember names or places or dates or um, what horses. Did. You know, when I came back, I rode Chile around Chatsworth before 2016. And when I went back to Chatsworth in 2017, I didn't remember Chile even being there. And I'm thinking, but I'd had my bang on the head by then, so I was fine. Why, you know, just my short-term memory um, evaporated. Um, 
and you know going the wrong way in the dressage and going the wrong way this afternoon on the cross country is all um it's all just how it is now and I'm, I'm hoping i don't go the wrong way in the cross country this afternoon but i could um and um i have to spend extra time now making sure i don't and i have to be aware that i am a bit of a different me now and having lived with myself for a long time that's quite weird to suddenly be um living with someone who's a bit different um you know i kind of was always very straightforward uncomplicated da-da, just get on do it no no doubt just onwards and now i'm kind of much more complicated in the sense that i might doubt things and think about other things and get confused by other things and um you know my mind is much less black and white as i've said before black and white again but much less clear than it was and i just had to learn how to cope with that and i've had so much help um great girl in in the uk called kate davis um was um a physiotherapist but also helped me mentally um structuring my or restructuring my life um and as you know i'm just so lucky that i've got some lovely horses to ride still got owners supporting me still um when i'm you know a bit older but also a bit a bit more gaga but anyway we will we, we will see i've got a few more things to do before i hang up my hang up my boots i hope what else would you like to accomplish like you said before you hang up your boots are there other things that you would you'd like to do <laughs> um it's a good question again i'm i'm very lucky i've achieved a lot i've had a lot of fun um i've had a lot of success on wonderful horses and i'd like to really carry on i think I'd like to be a bit more. I'd like to be a bit more successful for a bit longer. Um, I've got a couple of, I said, very, very nice um, five-star horses going to badminton, and they're really keeping me going. And I'd love to. I've produced some from young horses, and I'd love to see how far I could get them. I'd love to, to see if you know they're as good as I think they are. And a few years ago, you know, they would be very much my kind of team hopes and Olympic hopes. And now, you know, I don't have a. I don't need to go to another Olympics. I've done that. I don't need to go to another WEG. I've done that. I've done Europeans. I've done badminton. I've done Burley. So there's nothing that I need. Um, but I, I would rather like some of those. Um, and you know, I've not won any individual medals, but um, gold medals. But I'm not. I'm not sure that really matters. I mean, I've been very lucky, and um, it would have been lovely to have done that too. And it's frustrating that it hasn't happened. But that's okay. Um, it's just how it's gone, um, and who? Yeah, who knows? I'd, I would love to. Yeah, I'd love to have a little bit more success. I'd like to see these horses through their career a bit further, um, and I'd like to hang up my boots in one piece. And just as one final wrap-up question, um, what's something that you enjoy doing when you're not uh, busy with the horses? <laughs> um, yeah, this is a bit of a. Um, it's a good question again, but I've um, been so busy with horses, there's not been much else that you can do. But what I really love doing now is I love spending time with my family. Um, you know, they've got their own lives now and they keep us busy, keep us young. Um, and there's lots going on at home. So I think um, having more time to be able to appreciate um, what they're all doing, less less focus on myself, um, is very is is very healthy. And I'd, I'd love, what I'm hoping is to find another... Um, days I rather dreamt of being a racehorse trainer and getting into the racehorse world and I think I've rather gone off that idea um, so I'm just hoping to find another um, another passion that excites me when I get my get my teeth stuck into at the moment I'm really enjoying you know teaching and um, traveling 
the world, getting some um, getting some great places teaching, and um, that does take up a fair chunk. And probably producing the odd young horse, maybe having a young rider base for me. You might ride a couple of horses that I own that we bring on, or maybe sell, or maybe keep. I love to keep. You know, the sport is me. I don't ex- I don't plan on being an owner extraordinaire for another 20 years, but uh, it might be fun to to see a young rider come through and uh, maybe see a young rider come through, you know, all the way on on a horse that's mine. Um, I've even yeah I've even bred two horses that are going to have foals this year, so I've really gone mad. Well, I think that about wraps it up. William's got to go take a little jaunt around the cross-country course here in just a little bit. Um, so thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to sharing your story with our listeners. A few hours after our interview at the Eventing Showcase, William gave a masterclass cross-country performance with Sandro Starr, a stallion who competes at the upper levels with Chris Talley. The courses were big and bold and set to advanced height, but it was no sweat for William, and he expertly guided the stallion to a third-place result finishing the event on their dressage score. William had literally only sat on the horse for the first time at the event, but judging from the way Sandro Starr responded to him on course, you'd think they'd been together for years. But that's just the type of rider that William is. His style, which seems so effortless but effective, has taken decades to polish and craft. Another interesting thing to note is that William is quite tall and slim, but always seems to stay in perfect balance with his horses over the fences. After listening to William share his future plans for his current string of up-and-coming stars, I was looking forward to seeing how he did at this year's badminton horse trials in England. Though he's won this event twice before, in 2004 with Tamarillo and in 2015 with Chilly Morning, who was also the first stallion to win the event, he hadn't completed badminton since his 2015 victory and the subsequent accident later that year that nearly ended his career. After being glued to the live stream all weekend, I was pleased to see him finish 9th aboard Little Fire and 13th aboard Oratorio II, a son of his five-star winner, Oslo. After the event, William told reporters, For a while, I did wonder what I was doing, coming back to the sport. But suddenly, at 50, I see a future. Who says that at 50? Thank you for listening to Practical Horseman's podcast. I'd really appreciate your feedback, so if you have time, please rate and review the show. And join us again in two weeks. Upcoming conversations are with eventing riders Allison Springer and Dom and Jimmy Schramm and hunter riders Liza Boyd and Shelly Camp. You can subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening.